Hey everybody, welcome to Office Hours. Uh, I'm Peter Thomas, CEO of Averitech, and with me is Mike Moore, Vice President of Channel Strategy at Averitech. Mike, why don't you tell the, uh, the, tell the audience what Office Hours is all about? Sure, Peter. Uh, Office Hours is an opportunity for us to get together with channel professionals and just talk about some of the issues that people are facing, ask some uh, questions, and, uh, and have some great guests uh, to tell us their story about their channel experience. So I'm excited to hear from Rob Spee, our guest from uh, SAS today. So thanks for joining us, Rob. Yeah, you're welcome. Great to be here. Yeah, SAS is a storied brand, especially in the analytics space. Um, they have traditionally been a direct seller, as many of us know. Um, and Rob, I know you joined about 18 months ago, which when I think about a company like SAS and, and somebody who's so deep in direct, taking it and saying, well, we're going to do some stuff in the channel now, and we're going we're gonna to have partners now, just seems like a monumental task. So tell us, you know, tell us what the last 18 months has been like. It's been a lot of fun, but it, it has been a big task, absolutely. And, and this isn't our first pass at it. So SAS made several attempts to go channel before I came on board. Uh, but this time we mean it. And we're really doing some things differently in the channel and seeing some big success. So our channel revenue is higher than it's ever been. Um, it has grown almost 100% over last year. Um, so we're, we're doing the right things. We're starting to do the right things and, and starting to make a difference. So. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a, a very challenging and interesting 18 months, but as a channel professional, it's really a great opportunity to apply everything that I've learned in the channel, you know, being in the channel for over 20 years as a vendor, as a distributor, as a reseller, all the different things that I've learned I can put into play here and help SaaS with a, really a, a transformation in the company in terms of how we go to market. So before you before we dive a little deeper there, I would love to know uh, how you found yourself in this industry at all. As we talk about a lot, you know, people don't go to school to be a channel marketer, um, and yet somehow we're all here in this small world. So tell us a little bit about how you found yourself in this role. Yeah, it, it was a bit by accident. So I didn't go to school to be in the channel. I went to school to be in oil and be a drilling engineer. So my career started out going to the Colorado School of Mines and then going down to Lafayette, Louisiana, where I was working for Tenneco Oil as a drilling engineer or an apprentice to be a company man on the rig. So they would ship me off to the rigs out in the Gulf of Mexico week on, week off, and I was learning how to design uh, the, the plan for going after oil, working with the geologists, and then working with the crews on the rigs that would, would drill for oil. And so that was my career path until the price of oil collapsed and they moved me off of drilling and into selling. So I got introduced into the business world and uh, had a great new boss who took me around the world in first class hotels and first class flights. And I thought, oil money, the sales world sounds a lot better than working on the rigs. So that that led me into sales. I went back to business school. Um, and my first real sales job was a channel sales job. And I was doing international sales uh, with partners in Europe and Latin America. And I just, I loved it. And I, I've loved it ever since. That has to be the most uh, A to B, like the longest, you know, gap from A to B that I think any of our guests have ever had. It's a great, that's a great story. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've heard stories about people starting in like, you know, one part of marketing and then finding themselves working with partners and then they end up, you know, but uh, yeah, the oil rig I think is going to, that'll be, 
we'll see if anybody can best that as we uh, continue on in this. <laughs> well, series, so. you know, it's easier to talk about analytics because we're drilling for data, right? We're mining data, so I can kind of make that. Ah, correlation I see what you with... did there. <laughs> <laughs> the puns are heavy around yes, here, but uh, exactly. So talking about SaaS, you know, like you said that. Uh, Channel has been attempted there before. Mm -hmm. Now they go and hire you, and you know you pick up and kind of uh, you know leave your your prior role, and you come on board, and you say, "Great, you know we're going to do this." Uh, what was different this time, either from an exec standpoint or kind of from the um, you know when you sometimes when the leadership wants to do channel, the rank and file folks that need to kind of help you get it done aren't always on board because it threatens you know their comp or all kinds of other kind of things that, that people get get into. So what was different this time? that made things successful? Yeah, I think the executive buy-in was, was one big thing that was missing before. Um, and a lot of the ice had been broken before I came on board. So they started about a year and a half on this, this last attempt. And so there were some things in motion uh, when I came on board that were really important. And one of those things was um, in working with the sales force and making them comp neutral which when you're trying to grow a channel, that's probably the number one thing that you've got to get done. And the wheels were in motion and, and we were able to get it across the line a few months after I joined, meaning that a sales rep, if they sell through the channel, through a reseller, they get the exact same compensation as if they had sold it direct. And wow, that's, so that's a that's a really big idea, Mike. Have you heard of that? I mean, I mean, have we heard that before, actually? Oh, uh, well, maybe not talked about on office hours, but you know, it's something that even when I was at Microsoft and we were doing, you know, enterprise agreements, you know, the big licensing agreement at Microsoft, you know, kind of moving those things through the channel or making it so um, at one point, you know, in Microsoft, I know we were competitive with the channel, right? If a Microsoft rep sold it versus, you know, someone in the channel, it did affect the compensation differently. And, you know, you think about people who build, you know, the, the whole thing with sales compensation design that you always want to try to get is you want somebody to look at, that plan that they're under and figure out how to completely exploit every detail of it for their own monetary gain, right? If you've designed a comp plan well and the person exploits it to make a ton of money for themselves, the company should win. When you start trying to do things like introduce the channel and you don't have the compensation lined up like Rob's talking about, that's when you get into those issues where people's behavior starts to not be uh, beneficial to the company might be beneficial yeah. to them, but maybe not to the company's goals. So getting alignment on that really makes the difference. Exactly. Otherwise, you can have a lot of channel conflict between direct and channel. And this almost overnight, almost overnight, eliminated that. Uh, I say almost because it took about six months for people to really believe that they had that compensation plan in place. But mm -hmm. uh, the word has gotten out now. So that was one big piece. Um, also, SaaS has been going through a globalization. So. Uh, we actually had all of our countries operating independently, um, almost, well, they were really separate entities. Uh, and now we've gone through globalization where it's much easier to roll out a global program. So we've established a global channel program with set policies that drives consistency in the channel, which drives trust. And I keep telling the team, we've got to be consistent so our partners trust us, but also so our colleagues throughout SAS trust us. And so that's made a big difference as well. So talk to me a little bit about how you've gone. So now, now you have this global channel organization. How, how have you gone about building that? Like when you, have you hired for specific roles for this at this point? Get people on your team or have you brought people from other parts of the company in for that? It's been a blend. So we have a, a global channel account manager team now. 
Um, when I came on board, a lot of the guys were in hybrid roles, meaning SaaS, traditionally partnering at SaaS meant alliances and sell with. And we go in and we do a direct deal, but we'd have partners assisting us. And mm -hmm. so we had partner managers who were covering alliance, man alliance partners as well as resellers. One of the things we've done this year is uh, driven much more focus. So we're talking to our partners and saying, is your business model alliance or resale? And we talk about the differences and what it means and what, the way that you invest differently to become that type of partner. And when they say, no, we like the resale model, we want that recurring revenue, we want the margins, uh, we want to make that a much bigger part of our business, we said, okay, you're going to be managed by a channel account manager now. And so we've had dedicated channel account managers and we now have uh, about 40 around the world of dedicated channel account managers and we're growing that team and that allows us to really build a professional channel organization within the company and allows me to help drive best practices and train that team on things that they can do to help their partners grow as resellers. Hmm. Well, one thing I know from that in kind of uh almost renegotiating the partner relationship as you're talking about here. You know, part of that obviously is memorializing whatever that agreement is about what the partnership's going to look like, usually in a partner business plan. And right. that's something that a lot of companies struggle with the partner business planning and making it actually stick. So how have oh, you yeah. guys approached that as well as, uh, I guess my other question would be related to it is when you've got people who are in direct roles and they're coming over to channel world and then you're trying to teach them how to do partner business planning. How did you approach training and kind of implementation of all this to, to really make things stick? Yeah, that's been a big one and, and I'm right in the middle of that right now with a project I'm doing. So um, the business planning that we had was pretty sporadic. Uh, we had an Excel spreadsheet that could take anywhere from a week to four months to complete and nobody liked it. Our partners didn't like it. Our cams didn't like it. Um, and it was just, you know, relying on spreadsheets and other PowerPoints and other means. So what we're rolling out right now is actually an online uh, business planning tool. And it's actually bigger than that. It's a, it's a, it's a scorecard so we can assess and score our partners. Uh, allows you to set up a business plan, an action plan. Um, that ties into quarterly business reviews. Mm -hmm. So this tool that wow. we're rolling out is actually called uh, Successful Channels. And mm -hmm. it's, okay. it's pretty cool what we can are going to be able to do. We're still in the pilot stage, so we're testing it out with our CAMs. We're testing it out with a few partners, and then we'll do a bigger global rollout um, later next quarter. So then, do you do you uh, is it does the partner do this on their own, or do they fill it out in conjunction with? Like, how is it? How does the rubber hit the road there? Yeah, what we do is um, the CAM would fill it out initially based on the information that they know about their partners, and then they would. Uh, go and meet with the partner or have a WebEx or whatever and go through it and then get the partner's input on it to complete it. So we don't want the partners to have to go in and fill out all the information that CAMS should already know. So they get a head start and then go talk to the partner um, and then start working on that business plan aspect of it. Well, that sounds that sounds cool. So it's a, maybe it's a little, you're in the pilot, so it's a little too early to have the results yet, but yeah. it would be awesome to kind of get a follow-up on that because... I mean, we know anecdotally uh, from a lot of our other customers that, you know, partners, you know, when you have a plan, the partner performs better than when you don't, right? Yeah. But like, what is the lift, right? And it sounds like you're going to have a nice A-B uh, sample group there, right? Like, here's the group that we planned with, here's the group we didn't, and, and kind of looking at their productivity. Yeah. And it, well, I think the important part, too. Sorry, sorry. Mark, this is a platform to drive best practices 
within the channel, within our organization as well. And I was going to say, sorry for the interruption there, that I think the from the partner's perspective, you know, we always think about partner business plans from the vendor's perspective, that I'm going to get my partner and hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. It's just as important that the team at SAS be held accountable for whatever is being promised to the partner. And that's how your partners are going to figure out if this is real or not. You know, like you were talking about, it took time for our team to believe it was real mm -hmm. from the comp thing. Your partners are looking at it the same way, saying they're changing the way they do business. They're offering these opportunities. They're saying they're going to provide support, mm -hmm. training, whatever resources to us. The partner business plan should be driving that joint accountability to make sure that your team is doing the same, you know, as there. Like everybody's actually doing what's supposed to. And I think changing the mindset about that uh, with both sides so everybody sees like this is a joint business plan. It's not the partner's business plan, although that's what we always title these things. Right. It's really making sure that we're going to stick with it too. That's a good point. And it's not just that the CAM does what the CAM agree to, but this gives us a platform we can share with marketing with education, with professional services, with sales, and see what they're signing up for too, and keep and hold right. everybody accountable. When do you intend to launch that? How, how far down the road are you? This year, this year. So I want to get it rolled out this year, have it in place so that in 2018, um, with all of our, uh, not all of our resellers, but our more strategic resellers at least, um, probably at least 100 resellers around the world, we're going to be using this for business planning and then quarterly business reviews. Uh, throughout the year. That's great. And I would remind the audience that Rob's LinkedIn information is in the chat there. So if you want to connect with Rob, I know he'd love to connect with you too. And sure. if you want to follow up with Rob and ask him how it went and who he used uh, to make that help make that happen, um, that's the way, the best way to get in touch with him. Going to one of the earlier questions, Mike. Hold on. There, go ahead. Yeah. There is a question in the chat. I just want to tee this one up okay. actually before we get into the next uh, topic. But um, so Steve is asking, how do you utilize distribution if you even use distributors? And I know you've got some distribution background, so what's happening with uh, distribution at SAS? Yeah, we do use distribution. So Arrow is our distributor, not globally, but we do uh, have distribution in certain areas where it makes sense today. Um, my, you know, I come from a distribution background, so I understand distribution very well. And I think the key thing that, vol uh, that distributors need to add value is volume, right? Um, because hmm. distributors operate on a low margin. It takes some volume to give them the margin so that they can then in turn deliver the, the great services that they can provide. Um, and we just don't have the volume yet in a lot of our markets. So as we gain more volume in different markets, that's where distribution can, can start making more sense. Thanks, Steve, very much great. for the question. Um, going back to another question, Mike, you had asked earlier, which is talking a little bit about the training. How did you approach helping, you know, letting your sales reps know how to help a partner sell as opposed to controlling a partner in a sale, right? Like there's a kind of a fine line there. So what kind of training do you put in place to, to help them with that? Yeah, it's been a lot of hands-on training and, and we're, we're not end of job on that front by any means. We've got a lot more to go, um, but it's been myself going out, meeting with sales leaders. It's been our uh, uh, cams themselves going out and just spending time with the reps. I always encourage them to go sit at their desk and spend time with the, the inside sales team, the field team, um, uh, the mid-level uh, channel management, uh, working with the mid-level sales managers. So up and down the chain, it's that, that education. Um, so some of it has been through formalized education, but a lot more of it is just hand-to-hand -hand combat of yeah. helping them understand the channel and, yeah. and how to leverage the channel. Um, 
a project that I have in mind that I haven't done yet is roll out a certification for the channel. So I've been planning to put all this down, and, and we do sales certifications of all different sorts internally um, on products and, and different things. So I want to do a channel certification early next year and get that rolled out. All right, last question, more personal. So if you could go back in time and tell the young Rob Spee something, what one piece of advice would you give him to help Enjoy him? Enjoy your uh, youth. Today. <laughs> Enjoy um, your youth? <laughs> no, I think uh, kind of along those lines, I would say, enjoy yourself enjoy what you do but also do what you enjoy and i've been fortunate in landing in a job in an area that i really love but over the course of my career i've taken a couple side paths and have landed me in spots where i wasn't enjoying it as much and i turned out not being as good as it as i am in the channel so mm -hmm. i think you know if i told my younger self hey just enjoy what you're doing and focus on what you enjoy in your job and in life uh, that'd be a good one Sage advice. All right, we're moving on to the interesting app of the day or tip or trick or book or whatever. So tell me what's something that you have read or used in the last uh, couple of months that has changed the way you approach your job? Uh, how I Well, in terms of how I approach my job, I think the Successful Channels app, if you want to call it an app, it's you know an online tool. Um, that's probably the biggest one. And, and we're, we'll wait and see what the impact is when we roll that out. Um, but um, I think that's going to be the biggest game changer right now in terms of what we're uh, rolling out in the company from a, from a channel okay. perspective. All right. Interesting book. Anything personal you're using? Um, well, I like to sail, so I found some really cool uh, sailing weather apps that I've been getting into. Um, that, awesome. Um, I like, I'm getting more and more into blue water sailing, and obviously you want to know what kind of weather you're going to be running into. And I was up uh, sailing from, where was I, um, Newport, Rhode Island, down to Hampton, Virginia. And there was a tropical storm coming out of Florida. So we were able, in real time, to watch this storm on these weather apps while we were out on the boat and see where it was heading. And they show forecasts. So we could see five days out how close it was going to get to where we would be in, in those days. Wow, that's, a, that's pretty cool. That's, uh, that scares me. I'm just going to say it right now, it's just that whole idea, right? The, the, the word that comes to mind is fear when I hear when I think of that. So we'll see. I'm impressive. on the ocean on the rig, so I'm 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 comfortable out there. Oh right, of course. Uh, uh, and Peter's a guy who flies airplanes and rides motorcycles, so yeah, oh. now we finally found something. That but you're I'm not going to sail. This the sharks. I can't do the sharks. sharks. This is the thing. So <laughs> yeah, hey, so Rob, a lot better than you losing a prop. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So last question. Uh, you run a team. How do you keep your team ahead of the curve when it comes to keeping, you know, marketing and keeping their skills sharp? Yeah. Um, I've been doing a series of CAM training around the world. Just got back from Toronto. Um, I did this over in EMEA in Singapore, and I'm really leveraging best practices. So we have some um, consulting firms that we work with that gather best practices from around the globe and all types of different companies that are working in the channels. Um, I take their content, mix it with the content and my knowledge, and build out these training courses of best practices because I'm, I'm really trying to build a professional organization and get these guys excited about what they do and the power that they have as business consultants to their partners and the impact that they can have on their partner's business. So I'm really trying to get them jazzed about their role but give them the tools sure. and the knowledge to be really good at it. 
Well, I love that. I, I'll tell you why, too, because so so often I hear about friction between the channel organization and the CAMs. I hear about, well, you know, I wish that they could, uh, you know, I wish that they could help, you know, carry our message a little better, or I really need them to do that, but I can't figure out how to incentivize them. You know, just hear about kind of a lot of reasons, and what I'm hearing you say is there's really good interlock there between I you and I think so, them. yeah, and they're starting to feel, I talk about globalization, I think they're starting to feel like they're part of something bigger and not just operating in their own little patch. Yeah. Who are some of the firms that you're, you mentioned a couple of firms that you were working with there for best practices. So can you, would you feel comfortable sharing that? Like who are some of the folks you look to from a research standpoint? Yeah, the, the main one that we're working with is Serious Decisions. And so okay. they provide a lot of good input. They do a couple annual conferences that we can go to. Um, so they're, they're the, the biggest one. Um, the BAPTI conference was great going to that and seeing what they're doing. So. You know, I, I think it, it's incumbent on us just to stay on top of best practices and what's happening. A lot of market changes, obviously, with cloud and that dynamic. So I, I get bored really easy if I keep doing the same thing, and I love this business because it's constantly changing. Indeed. I think we all feel that way. Well, um, Rob, thank you very much for joining us in the office today. It was a pleasure. Really loved your perspective um, on all things channel. And uh, thanks again, Steve, for the question. Um, if you, uh, to the audience, if you have any suggestions for future guests or topics you'd like us to discuss on Office Hours, please do let us know. You can send an email to shout at averitech.com and uh, Mike and I'll pick it up. Uh, and, uh, or, you know, if you'd like to be a guest on Office Hours, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. Um, with that, we're going to close the office. Rob, have a great day. Thank you so much for sharing your insights today. Great. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it.